Hi, welcome to The Noisy Golfer. This is episode five. Uh, and we're delighted to feature our first junior golfer on the podcast today, following some really good feedback from you so far. So thanks for viewing. Um, and we're delighted to introduce Logan Sherp to, uh, with us uh, from Aberystwyth. How are you doing, Logan? You okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Thank you. How are you? Yeah, very good. Thank you. Very good. Thank you so much for uh, for joining us. Um, from our point of view, it's really good to get a, a good insight from junior golfers uh, on their journey into golf, their backgrounds. And I know that we've been following each other sort of fairly closely since uh, since we sort of launched in October last year. Um, and for those of you that, that don't know Logan, um, he's 13 years old from Aberystwyth, uh, Welsh international. Um, and your home club is Aberdovey Golf Club. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Fantastic. So just to start off with then, um, tell us about yourself, how you got into golf, um, and uh, we'll obviously let our viewers at home know uh, a little bit more about you and your journey. Okay. Uh, my name is Logan. Uh, I'm playing off uh, 1.3 handicap currently. Wow. Home, the home course is Aberdovey, but I also play at Aberystwyth. I started golf playing fun day at Aberystwyth. I was seven years old and since then I've loved the sport. Start, we've started off with target games, little drills, nothing too tough, nothing, just nice simple drills to start off with. And like I said, from there, just played the sport and loved it. Amazing. So what 1.3 handicap already and you're 13? Yeah. Uh, I, at the start of the year, I was in six, and okay. the target to come down to three, thinking yeah. that would be good, because obviously last year, COVID didn't help yeah, at course. all. Yeah. Even this didn't help. So I'm over the moon of this year. I've smashed my season target. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to next year. Amazing. So what would you... So since you've come down from six then, what would you... In what time frame have you come down from six to, to 1.3? Uh, good question. <laughs> I'd say it's all across the year, a couple yeah. of comps, I've played awful. Yeah. 12 over, and my handicap's going up. And then recently I've been playing a couple of minus numbers, which okay. has helped a lot. Yeah. Which I think there's no point heaving pressure on yourself. Make, you don't have to lower handicap. Yeah. It will just come. Yeah, yeah. Next year, I may only be off a 0.6, which is still a drop, but may not be as much as I want to. It will just come. Yeah. And you never want to force dropping handicap. Absolutely. Would you say there's a particular area of your game that you've that you've improved on to, to get to that point? Because obviously, as you get, as you've said, as you get lower the handicap, it's obviously harder to sustain and maintain that to, to get even further towards scratch. Yeah. What would you say is the, the major thing that's improved to allow you to get to that? It's definitely my long game. Yeah. My long game moved so much. And I've still got it to be honest, so my putting isn't good enough. I still need to work on my putting a lot. I played a competition in Welsh under four teams last week. Yeah. Uh, played six over over two rounds. And I free putted five times. Yeah. Six overs still good over two rounds, but those five putts cost me a lot. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, did you, did you see the golf yesterday evening, the BMW? Yeah. Well, I think that, that just goes to show, doesn't it? When you look at the two stiffness and styles between Patrick Cantlay and Bryson DeChambeau, obviously Bryson's hitting further. He's, you know, he's, he's arguably more aggressive, but fundamentally that battle was won and lost on the greens. Yeah. Effectively. So even, at, I suppose, at any level, it just goes to show the importance of being able to, to perfect your game on the greens. I think definitely from a young age, you need to work on short game. So yeah. it's, it's won or lost by hitting a ball. 50 yards further than your opponent. Yeah. It's by yeah. making them down the yards. So for Pat Patrick Cantley, his putting was phenomenal the other yeah. day. And DeChambeau just couldn't make the up and downs he needed. Yeah. No, absolutely. So so just to sort of um yeah, we're we're coming to the end of summer in the UK then to sort of describe Obviously, you're you're a competitive golfer. You're a Welsh international. Um, just just talk us through your diary this summer. What what would you say have been your highs, your lows, um, and your, your sort of mainly your successes really in your in your competitions throughout the year? Over this year, I've pretty much only had three main competitions because okay. three, four because the rest have been cancelled due to COVID. Uh, my first main success was winning my club championship. And I was the youngest to win that competition in 110 years, wow. which was absolutely And then I went to play the V Trophy in England. Yeah. First day didn't go to plan, bit of unluckiness. Uh, but I managed to finish 22nd, tied 22nd overall with a very strong field of 150 players. So I was extremely happy with that. And then I went to Scotland next after that. Scotland was tough. Didn't have a good first day at all. It was one of those days, nothing, didn't play good golf. Just forgot about it, moved on. Second day, way better. Plus two gross, I was happy. Yeah. It was just a bit of a shame about the first day. And then, like I said, last week, I went to the Welsh in the 14s. First day, couldn't really putt. <laughs> And second day, I was minus one gross for front nine. Yeah. Uh, I was still minus gross until after 15. Then I free put 16, 17, oh, which was no. a bit gutting, but that's golf. You can't, can't yeah. always expect yourself to hold putts from 50 foot. It's yeah, yeah. happened and... That's what it is. Yeah, I think that's like one of the things that I'm really working on with Isaac at the moment. I mean, Isaac's eight and he's playing his third uh, Tommy Fleetwood Tour event tomorrow. And we've been spending a lot of time over the last, particularly the last couple of weeks, like off the tees, just he's really, really improved and his irons are great. But I think that, uh, you know, one of the things that we're working on is distance control. Like you say, those 40, 50 footers, the difference between leaving yourself a two and three foot putt versus a six, seven and eight foot putt can yeah. over the course of a round be quite big if you're not particularly hitting the right area of the greens. Um, so it just goes to show at any level how, you know, how important that is. Are there any things that you're doing to, with the guards to put into, do you have any particular drills that you go through? If you, are you working with the coach? What, what would you do in that respect to, to help yourself improve? I do work with my coach. I have lessons regularly. Um, I have devices such as a putting mirror, yeah. to help my stance and arc like plane of my putt plane swing of my putt uh, 
you know, going out in the course, getting the feel constantly, that's important. And just overall, you need to keep knocking down. There's no point going out half an hour practice, then playing 18. It's all in good going out on the course, but you also need to work uh, like inside. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Working in the nets, on the range, on the putting green, on the chipping green, or even in your own house. It's very important to do that. Absolutely. So, so in, ter- in terms of your... Um your regiment then throughout throughout a week what would you know obviously to get to the handicap that you're at and obviously to be playing at the level you're at you're obviously dedicating yourself what what would a typical week look like when you're able to play as much as possible in terms of how many rounds would you play what would your process yeah practice routines be just just tell us a bit more about that so my coach said that and i think i agree with him four days of the week should be practice on swing, punch chipping, and then maybe play nine holes on top of that. But then for the rest of the three days, play 18 holes, your weekly comp and stuff like that. Yeah. So practice more over than on the courses, what mm-hmm. I'd say. After, and then up, school is upcoming Friday. Uh, so it would be school, course, and get back home eight-ish. <laughs> yeah. And then eat and then sleep. <clears throat> and then during the summer holidays, maybe a little bit of free time. Yeah. But it's tough to say my like diary because it changes a lot. Yeah. After each lesson, I get a new plan new swing to work on so it's constantly changing but it's mainly four days practice three days on course interesting interesting i think that's that's one of the things it's um that we've spoken to a few coaches about is when they talk about practicing with purpose as well is, is dedicating and breaking down your game in certain sections i know that when we did um the, the podcast last week with norman marshall who heads up the tommy fleetwood academy and he's essentially broken down each part of the game into a series of games so if you're driving, you're trying to drive into like passing through gates. If you're chipping, you're trying to get into a certain zone or hit certain targets out in the range. It's essentially breaking every element of that down and then trying to best as you can apply each area of that fundamentally to put it out on a round as well. Yeah. Quality over quantity. It's what my dad says to me. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So j- just to talk about your entry into golf then, obviously you've played since you were seven. Um, do, do your parents play golf? How, how did you how did you get into golf originally? Uh, well, at the moment, my uncle's the only one that plays golf in my family. Okay. So, I think when I was five, I went to his house one day and did some putting, but I still played football at that time and forgot about golf. But when I started, my dad then played with me, thinking. Oh, Logan's just going to play golf uh, as a side sport to golf, to football. Yeah. So he, we went to the range together. Me and my dad hit some shots. And then when I went to my first tournament, he gave up. <laughs> Started. Uh, yeah, he gave up. Well, yeah. he gave, did a couple of shots now and then, but doesn't do anymore. Just me and my uncle. 
My uncle's a bit of a bandit, though. He's lost 23. <laughs> He's probably a good person to have on your team, then. Yeah. <laughs> My dad's constantly comes to lessons so he knows about the technical side of golf okay. helps my swing yeah. but my uncle is more the person who knows what happens on the course so he's more he, he was my caddy for some tournaments yeah he, he helps me to calm down and stuff like that when i hit a, a bad shot so it's two really good parts of my uh two really good family members to have on the golfing side yeah no that's that's really good because i think that if you look at any successful sportsman, I think this is what, um, when we were, to, again, just referring to the, the conversation we had with Norman Marshall last week, where he was talking about um, uh, one of his uh, his junior golfers, who's a junior world champion up until a couple of weeks ago. Um, and there's a very interesting relationship between the coach and the dad versus the coach and the player. And it's almost like it's that team environment. So, you know, one person might be not necessarily as technical, but can provide support in one area. Whereas when it comes to the fundamentals of, you know, you know, why did you hit a bad shot or how to how to sort of harness and hone your swing? It's it's again just using somebody else as a different outlet. But fundamentally, all of those things together contribute to somebody being successful because it's important. I think one of the things that you've spoken about is that, you know, there's a there's a, a massive element that goes from the technical side. But it sounds like that you're very familiar with the importance of of a sound mental approach as well yeah. in your game um is that a particular area that you find that you work on um and if so what what tips would you give to somebody that's trying to to improve shoot lower scores and and, and help improve their own game i think mentally golf is all about your head and how you think because normally when i was younger i would play shoot uh, seven on the hole let's say yeah and that's a little bogey perhaps I would think that's an awful score, then try and force a good score, leading to another bad score. Yeah. So my head's all gone, making my round worse. If you ever have a bad hole, just need to forget about it and play every hole as if it's hole one. Yeah. You never, ever give up in golf. You could start off with triple and still end up three over par. Yeah. It's golf. But if you're starting, I would just say never give up. Golf is one of the toughest sports out there. If it was easy, everyone would be playing it. Exactly. Just keep keep your head down, keep working and never give up. Brilliant. No, I mean, that's pretty good advice. Something I think that, um, again, as a parent, you know, with, with playing with Isaac, it, it can sometimes be a challenge Um in the respect that like we played a couple of days uh three days ago on a new course where he's just joined and he was he was absolutely fantastic uh, really really proud of him and then the next day something wasn't quite right and you know one, one of the things that i'm really trying to enforce is just the importance of the next shot you know what whatever has happened has happened the ball is where it is <laughs> let's let's work out a solution as to how to get out of it and i think that sounds quite simple to process but again when you're working with you know, with somebody so young, it, it can sometimes be, you know, quite difficult to absorb when they know what they've done. And I think that's that's something that I'm working with on a on a sort of a parent and uh, some relationship with Isaac. Um, so it, it sounds like you've got a, a really good um, foundation so far in terms of your understanding of the importance of quality practice, the way that you practice. 
um, your mindset as well. Um, in terms of the bigger picture then, what, what are your own golfing ambitions? I mean, you're obviously already playing at a fantastic level, you know, at, at such a young age. Um, what, what are you working towards? Is there a bigger picture in mind? Yeah, I would love to play for Wales, my home country, and perhaps even get a scholarship to go to America okay. or Spain for college. That would be ideal for me. And I mean, the major dream would to be playing for the Ryder Cup, uh, having a go at the Masters, yeah. stuff like that. But I think start off now with the smaller goals building up, is it? Yeah. As you yeah. No, absolutely. I think again, it's 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 just breaking everything down, isn't it? Just to just to also mention, because it's really interesting you mentioned college golf there. If you check out one of our other podcasts we did with Harry Butler, um, Harry Butler Golf, he's he's um uh, a player that's from Essex, has been over um to the United States, played in North Carolina and the University of West Florida. So you should check out that as well. You'll get some really good tips on um, on the process to, to go through that, um, to go through to play college golf and also the experience as well, which he paints a really, really clear picture on. So it is well worth checking that out as well. Um, so in, in terms of your, um, away from that then, what, what are you interested in outside of golf? Do you, do you play other sports? Are you active in other areas or is it a singular pursuit from your point of view? It's definitely a singular pursuit for me. Uh, don't do any other sports. Like I said, I used to play football, used to be a goalkeeper, uh, but don't really do any other sports now. My free time I spend on my family or hop onto the PS4 of my mates. <laughs> Otherwise, it's just golf, really. So who, who do you aspire to be like? Who, who is your favourite player? I know a lot of people mentioned like Tiger Woods as, the, as yeah. the standalone one for obvious reasons, but are there any other players that you particularly look up to in a in an aspirational light? Mine's got to be Roy McIlroy. I love, I love his positivity towards the sport when he's a bad day. He always thinks positively, never, never negatively. But I also aspire to many other golfers. For example, I love Phil. Phil Mickelson's brilliant. Yeah. I mean, uh, good on him for still being in the PGA. He's love a short game. Uh, Cameron Champ, uh, Hovland, uh, many more. Super. So I'm going to give you. I'm going to ask you a question now. Then, so if, of any professional golfer, who's Game off the tee, would you have? Who's who would you choose off the tee? Oh, that's tough. Uh, in terms of length, it'd be the shambo, but <laughs> I'd say consistency and length, Cameron Champ. Cameron Champ, okay, interesting. What about iron play? Who would you say would you, if you could pick anybody's iron game to choose, who, who would that be? Uh, because of his recent performance, either Patrick Cantley or Tommy Fleetwood. Yeah. See, but what about wedge wedge play? Definitely Phil Mickelson. Phil Mickelson all day. <laughs> Me <Yeah>. too. <laughs> and and who short game would you would you choose to, to like to, to create the ultimate player? Passing and shipping off. 
I'd say for chipping, it's got to be Phil Mickelson. But putting, oof. Tiger Woods or Faldo, Nick Faldo. Yeah, back in the day. I think, yeah, I can, I can remember that far back. So I'm, I'm a little bit older than you. <laughs> but yeah, I know I know that when I started playing, when I was 11, probably 10, 11, when I started playing, um, and Faldo was just my my idol at the time. Because so I think there wasn't that much golf on the TV either, um, obviously, because there wasn't as many channels. But yeah, certainly when when the Open was on, Faldo was somebody that had a there. Um, yeah, he, he was my hero at the time. So pretty yeah. good players there. So um, how is the rest of the year looking for you then, golf-wise? I mean, obviously, we're coming towards the end of the summer holidays. There's the return of school. Um, what, what's the, what does the rest of 2021 look like for you from a competitive point of view? Uh, competitive, not much, really. All my major competitions have been over the summer. But I think a couple of club competitions, I played one Saturday, played minus one gross. Uh, so I think it's just going to be maybe winter league, Saturday comps, and that's about it. Working in the net at home, driving range, and getting lessons from my coach. Superb. Well, well, think fingers crossed for you. I mean, obviously, um, I mean it's amazing that you've been able to get to the you know the sort of handicap that you have at such a young age. I mean that's that that's massively impressive. Um, the, for those of you watching, uh, thanks so much for tuning in. Um, there is a link here, um, so you can follow Logan uh, on his social media channels. I think you've got about 7,000 followers on Instagram now, and there's, I know you're quite active on the socials, so you've clearly got um, a lot of admirers watching you in that respect. So do feel free to, uh, to give Logan a follow. And if there's any questions, do feel free to, to comment below uh, and let us know what they are. Um, but for the time being, Logan, thank you so much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, we yeah. certainly look forward to, to following your journey um, in the coming months and years. Um, and I'm, I'm sure soon enough, it won't be too long before you, uh, you know, you take that next step into something big in your, in your golfing career. Yeah, definitely. Fingers crossed. Thanks so much, Logan. Take care. You too.